0: The Sermon Webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on July 19th, 2015, on the basis of Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. These days it seems as though just about everyone has a different opinion on the true nature and character of love. It's hard to know what to think, isn't it? So if you want. A definitive perspective. If you really want to learn the truth about this thing called love, where do you think you would turn? Would you pick up a romance novel? Would you, re- would you read some Shakespeare sonnets? Would you find a nice romantic comedy on Netflix and curl up on the couch with some popcorn? Would you Google it? Actually, all of those sound like really good ideas compared to another option that you might consider, one that probably would never even come to mind. If you really wanted to learn the truth about love, would you ever go ask a lawyer? In the verses that are in front of us today, there's this lawyer who wants to learn all about love. Not the sappy, romantic kind of love that you'd expect to find in a movie starring Kate Hudson or Julia Roberts or someone like that. But the kind of love that God calls us as Christians to show to our fellow human beings. And as he approaches this issue from his lawyer's mindset, using his lawyer's techniques, you can imagine that this man runs into all kinds of problems. As we're going to see, you and I often run into those very same problems because there's a pretty good lawyer living inside of each one of us as well. Thankfully, we're also going to see today that that the man that this lawyer went and talked to, Jesus, was not a half-bad lawyer himself. In fact, he deals with this lawyer using those very same lawyer's techniques, that very same lawyer's mindset, and in so doing, he actually outlawyers this lawyer and teaches him a few important things about love. Like I said, this man was a lawyer. That was his profession. That was his job. He was an expert in God's law. And yet he was also a lawyer in a much more important way. He approached his entire relationship with God in terms of the law. He went up and asked Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, this man simply assumed that the only way to inherit eternal life, the only way to make sure that he was written into his heavenly Father's will, was by doing things. In his mind, the only question was, what things? And when Jesus pointed this lawyer to the law, that didn't really even help things much. You see, this man knew the law. He could recite it by heart. And so when Jesus asked, what does the law say, the man knew. It said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This man knew that by heart. That wasn't the problem. The problem came as he tried to keep those two simple commands about love. I mean, do you realize how high of a bar those two simple commands about love really set? Let's look at the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Has anyone ever asked you what you would do if you had a day all to yourself? Where you could do anything that you wanted without any responsibilities or obligations? What are some of the things that first come into your mind? Sleeping in. Maybe going down to a coffee shop and diving into a good book. Massages, manicures, pedicures. 18 holes over at University Ridge. A little container of worms in a nice calm lake. What do you think? It all sounds fun, right? Well, do you know the things that would first pop into your head if you really could love God with all of your heart? Reading your Bible. Just sitting and reflecting on the things that it says, praying. That's it. All day long. What about the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. That means that as intense, as deliberate, as proactive as you are about doing things that make you happy, that get you ahead, that are good for you, you should be just as intense, just as deliberate, just as proactive about doing those sorts of things for other people. Love God above all things. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let me ask, who lives that way? No one does, right? And that's exactly the problem that this lawyer was running into as he was trying to earn eternal life by obeying God's law. And so he continued to simply do what lawyers do. He continued to try and find a loophole in God's law. He focused in on one specific word of the law and he asked Jesus a follow up question, a little cross examination for the teacher. He said, So, Jesus, just who is my neighbor? You see, that Greek word for neighbor has the concept of being in very close proximity with someone else. Picture your life almost as if it's this circle that's filled up with all of the things that make you who you are. And then someone else's life is another circle that's filled up with all of the things that make them who they are. Well, if those circles come so close to one another that they actually intersect and overlap, that person is then your neighbor. So start with the obvious. You share a location. The person who lives on your street is obviously your neighbor. But, of course, it goes much farther than that. Maybe the person looks like you. They share the same race or the same gender. Maybe the person talks like you. They have the same language. Maybe the person thinks like you. They cheer for the same sports teams. They're going to vote for the same person for president in 2016. These are people with whom you have things in common, right? And these are people that are generally pretty easy to treat well And get along with. And so if we can restrict who our neighbor is to just that narrow sliver of people, this lawyer was thinking, then maybe we can actually do a pretty good job of loving our neighbor. And maybe then we can win eternal life. So how do you suppose Jesus would respond to this man's lawyering? Well, with a little bit of lawyering of his own. He tells this story, this this well-known parable, probably Jesus' most famous story. It's about a guy who's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, two cities in the very southern part of Israel. And as he's traveling, he gets robbed. They beat him up, they take everything that he has, and they leave him there on the side of the road to die. Eventually, a couple of other people come wandering along on the very same road. Now, by this lawyer's definition of what a neighbor is, each one of those individuals, those first two people, were neighbors to the man lying there. First of all, they were going on exactly the same route. They were traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. They had the same home city. They maybe even lived on the same block. Second of all, they were both Jewish, just like the man lying there was. So they shared a race, They shared a language, they shared a culture, and a religion. They were neighbors to this man. And yet both of them walked right on by. You see, that's what happens when we approach our relationship with God as lawyers. That's what happens when we try to earn eternal life by being good at loving our neighbor. That's what happens when that little lawyer inside of us gets his way. You see, even when we have opportunities to do the things that God wants us to do, well, we'll end up doing what lawyers do. We'll just try and lawyer our way out of it. What do you think each one of those guys might have said to himself as he walked by on the other side of the road? Look at that guy. It's probably his fault that he got robbed. He never should have been traveling this road all by himself in the first place. It's not my fault that he was so foolish. Maybe they said, what if it's an ambush? What if those robbers are are still sitting there close by, just waiting for me to stop and help out, and and then I get robbed? I don't want to put myself at risk. Maybe they said, you know what, it doesn't look all that bad. I bet you he'll be okay. I bet you in a couple minutes he'll be back on his feet and on his way. Any of those lawyering techniques sound familiar? as we try and come up with reasons for why we won't, why we haven't helped someone who is in need. In contrast, there was a third guy, of course, the, the hero of the story. By the lawyer's definition, this man wasn't a neighbor to the man who was lying there. First of all, he wasn't taking the same route. He was traveling from somewhere else and he was going somewhere different. We're not told where, but he had a whole lot more traveling to do. And so for him, to stop and help was as painful and as inconvenient as when you get in your car to take a three-day trip cross-country and two hours from home you have serious car trouble. What a pain, right? Secondly, this man wasn't Jewish like the man lying there. He was a Samaritan. So not only was he a different race, but Jews and Samaritans actually hated one another. In fact, on a different occasion, the Jewish leaders were so upset with Jesus that they wanted to pull out the very two worst insults that they could possibly think of. The two worst things they could say to Jesus. Do you know what they said? They said, you're possessed by a demon and you're a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans hated one another. By the lawyer's definition of this term neighbor, this man was anything but. And yet look what happened. He stopped. He helped him out. He put him on his donkey and then he walked alongside as he took him to an inn. Spent the entire night taking care of him. Gave up an entire day of travel. And then the next day as he set out, he left money behind so that the innkeeper could continue to take care of him. And he even promised that that if any additional expenses were incurred, he would come back and he would pay them himself. So then Jesus wraps up this story with a truly masterful little bit of lawyering. He asks this lawyer the very same question that the lawyer had first asked him, only with a very important twist. Remember again that this man had asked, Who is my neighbor? Who is so close to me? Whose circle intersects with my own so that, Oh, I suppose I should probably be nice to them. Jesus turned around and asked the man, which of these three became a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? You see, Jesus wants us to change completely the way we think about this term neighbor. Being a neighbor is not a reactive thing. It's a proactive thing. Being a neighbor is not something that happens to you. It's something that you make happen with someone else. Even if your circles are miles and miles apart. Even if you look different. Even if you talk differently. Even if you think differently. Even if they're going to vote for someone else for president in 2016. Even if they cheer for the Cubs. (laughs) If you see someone in need, God wants you to leave your circle and dive headfirst into their circle to risk and to sacrifice what belongs to you so that you can help them out in whatever way that you can. So again, we're kind of left to ask, who does that? Who lives that way? And again, the answer is simple. No one does. And believe it or not, that was actually Jesus' point. A point that he makes so well and probably probably the best little bit of lawyering in this entire story. You see, usually when we hear this story of the Good Samaritan, the moral of the story goes something like this. You should all be a little bit more like this guy, a little bit more like this Samaritan. You should do what he did. In fact, when people do what he did, we give them a little blue ribbon or a certificate or a plaque of some sort and we label them as Good Samaritans, right? Right? Well, that's actually the moral of a completely different story. Not the story that Jesus told. In that story, it would have been the Samaritan lying there on the road and a Jewish person who helped him out. That would have been the story if Jesus was simply trying to teach this lawyer, you know, you really should be a little bit nicer to people, especially people who are different from you. But instead, Jesus puts the Jewish person in the ditch. And it's the Samaritan who helps him out. And by doing that, Jesus wants us to take away from this story exactly what he wanted that lawyer to take away. Two important lessons. First of all, acknowledge the impossibility of you loving your neighbor the way that God expects you to. Stop trying to earn eternal life by loving other people. Stop being a lawyer. Instead, see yourself as the person in the ditch, the person dying, the person who desperately needs to be loved. Secondly, embrace the idea that the only person who can love you the way that you need to be loved, well, he isn't from around here. He's the foreigner. I mentioned that one time when the Jews were so upset with Jesus that they tried to insult him by saying, you're possessed by a demon and you're a Samaritan. Do you know what Jesus said in reply? Well, I'm not possessed by a demon. Maybe it's just a coincidence. And Jesus doesn't go so far as to specifically identify himself with the Samaritan in this story. But it is no accident that the one person who shows the perfect neighborly love that God expects out of us is the foreigner in the story. And Jesus is telling us loud and clear, that is the one person that you cannot be. That is the one role that you simply cannot play. And think about it. What this Samaritan did for this man is exactly what Jesus did for us. Our circles were not just miles apart, they were worlds apart. There he was up in heaven, here we are down on earth. And think if he would have used those lawyering lawyering techniques that we use, those excuses that we make. Well, it's their fault that they're in this mess. I don't want to go and help. If I go down there, it might cost me. It might be an ambush. I might be at risk. Maybe he could have said, it doesn't look so bad. I'll just wait and see if they can figure it out for themselves. And yet instead he left his throne in heaven. He dove headfirst into this cesspool of sin here on earth. And he risked and he sacrificed absolutely everything, his very life, to save us from our sins and to rescue us from death. Let this parable teach you that. Let this lawyering that Jesus does lead to what a lot of people often joke would be a really good thing. That there would be one less lawyer in the world. One less person who's trying to earn eternal life. One more person who is simply throwing themselves at the mercy of the court and confidently clinging to the perfect love that Jesus has shown us. You know what? When you do that, when you stop trying to earn eternal life and the more you embrace the love that Jesus has shown you, Well, it has this funny way of turning you into a nicer and nicer person to everyone else around you. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.